Oh my god. <laughs> I am back and I need to firstly address a few things. The first thing I want to say is that I know it wasn't clear exactly where I went because I just threw it in in the last 30 seconds of my last episode and I know everybody doesn't listen to like the whole fucking episode. I don't even listen to the whole episode of other podcasts I listen to. I went to Washington State to see my family, which is why I haven't uploaded, published in two weeks. The other thing I wanted to address, because <laughs> San Francisco lost yesterday. <laughs> so a few things with that. The first thing is that like, no shit. Like, you, of like, of course, <laughs> fourth string quarterback, McCaffrey as quarterback. Are you kidding? Good job. You won the football game. Good job. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. People are coming out of the woodwork because I was pretty vocal about what I wanted to happen. People coming and being like, you owe me this as if we had bet on anything. You wager before the game. You don't wager after the game. I don't, I'm not doing anything for you. I'm not giving you anything. I'm not giving you anything. Stop asking. I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> you get bragging rights. That's it. But the thing is, is, with bragging rights for this game, like I said, it's like, wow, good job. You won. Like, good job. I mean, they are like a good football team. But also, like, I mean, San Francisco was just like kind of, you know, not in the best position to um, play to their maximum capacity. So anyway, that happened. Um, my trip to Seattle was actually pretty great, even though um, it was also like really weird in some instances. So like everybody was like really weirded out that I went. Um, when I say everybody, I mean like my dad's side of the family. So it's kind of interesting because I've been reading about how nobody is close with their dad's side of the family, like on the internet, everybody just keeps saying that. And I don't know what it is. I will throw in there that my dad's side of the family is really conservative, <laughs> which is like fine. You know, we can hang out. Um, there are definitely times where they like asked me questions about things and I just like didn't reply. <laughs> I just like didn't answer. I, I just like sat there silent. <laughs> Like, my dad's sister asked about, you know, like, Black Lives Matter and defunding the police and what I thought of it. And I literally did not reply. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I just sat there. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm not getting into this. So I just didn't reply. Um, so there are a few instances like that. She also called me selfish for getting a hotel, which was an interesting take. Um, but again, I just ignored it and moved on with my life. Um, what else happened? Yeah, everybody was just like really weirded out that I showed up because, um, we hadn't seen each other in like 10 years, more than that, probably actually like probably going on 15. Um, and they kept asking, you know, like, wait, so you just came out to see us, you know, because a lot of the times with other, like my other siblings, whenever they see them, it's still, like, in Washington. Like, they don't travel to come see us or anything like that. Um, and, like, the last time is my brother saw them because he was on a work trip. So they were, like, really weirded out that I made the trip just to see them. But the thing is, is that, like, they also berated me for it, too. <laughs> you know, they were they were like, well, it's been so long. 
I can't believe you haven't come out and seen us. And the thing is, is like, I'm here right now. <laughs> and also, you don't come see me ever either. So it was just like a really interesting dynamic where almost like when I was leaving, because I was there for like six days, which was plenty of time. Kind of wish I had made it shorter, but whatever. So when I was leaving, I was definitely thinking to myself, and I don't want to be mean or anything, but I was definitely thinking to myself, this is why, like, this is why it's been so long. You know what I mean? Because we just don't fit, you know? And then I, I definitely have, like, other family members who I want to spend my time and energy going to see because, you know, it costs money to go and see you guys. And it also, you know, made it so I couldn't work. So it kind of costs double the amount of money because I don't have any PTO. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was nice. Um, I decided... Okay, so I don't even know how to start this. When I was over there, I built a nightstand with my uncle. I've had this deep desire to build for years now. Actually, probably ever since I was a kid. So when I was a kid, I would build stuff in my room to the best of my ability because I didn't have like, obviously I didn't have like any tools or like any materials or anything like that. And so one time I actually tried to make a pair of shoes out of cardboard and string. I was like seven or something. Maybe I was 11 or something. I don't know. But I was a kid and... I've, like, just always really wanted to do that, but, like, I've just never had the resources or the space or anything like that. Um, so he had a workshop, and I I was, like, when I first got it, I want to build something. Um, so we ended up doing that, and it made me realize that, one, I fucking love that, and, two, I am capable of doing that because also I think that, like, woodworking – to me, it's just like a really big arts and crafts project. And it can't be that hard, right? I mean, but also you look at it and you're like, okay, that does look hard. <laughs> um, it looks like, you know, everything's really big. It doesn't have to be big. Like the nightstand, like obviously it's like nightstand size. But a lot of things that like people would work to like build, you know, can get really big, like desks, headboards, dining room tables, you know, stuff that's large makes it like really intimidating because the thing is it's like if you fuck it up it's like it's a much bigger fuck up um uh, the thing that scares about me the like scares me the most is definitely the math i'm like not a math gal ever and so my uncle did all the math and told me and like coached me and like you know held me through that part and so that's like also another thing that's like holding me back from diving into this on my own is that like the math to do it is really important um probably maybe the most important so that's like another reason why I just haven't done it but also the, another reason why I never knew that like saws were that in, inexpensive like what's it called a miter saw mortar saw something like that something with an m it's only you can get it for like a hundred dollars off Amazon. I had no idea. For some reason, I always thought those saws were like a grand. I have no idea why I thought that. I just never looked. Um, holy shit, that is so affordable. Would that be the weirdest thing to have in my studio apartment? Just like sitting on the ground, a fucking saw? <laughs> in like my dining room section? Wouldn't that be funny? Who wants to come over? Welcome to my home. <laughs> I'm not above it though. You know, I'll do anything. So, 
that really opened like opened doors like built doors that opened them (laughs) because when I got back I started looking at lots of land in well first I started looking in Colorado because obviously because you can get actually pretty affordable lots of land in Colorado everybody says the land here is really expensive but that's only like in and around Denver and in the mountains if you go to southern Colorado like Pueblo um, you can get like two or three acres for like eight or nine grand not bad not bad at all um, the thing is, is that um, in terms of like homesteading and like off the off grid like laws, um, mostly like zoning laws, actually almost entirely zoning laws, um, makes it really difficult in Colorado. They don't like that. And so they have pretty strict zoning laws, just like, you know, in other I hate to say it, but like blue states, because regulations um, are much more common in blue states. Some of them are obviously for the better. Some of them are environmental. Totally get it. But then there are other instances where I'm like, wow, I really like hate this. It's really getting on my nerves. So, you know, there are better states to do it in, Wyoming being one of them. Um, So I was looking at lots of land there because I just have like, I need to build a dwelling, whether it be a schoolie which I'm probably not going to do, but it is up for consideration. A tiny house on a trailer that I can tow with, like, you know, a pick pickup truck. Or just, like, a little cabin, you know, that's, like, just situated on, like, you know, a lot of land. So I need to do that. I feel, like, a deep, burning desire to do that. And... I've, I've felt it in some way or another, like I said, for many, many years. And, you know, building this nightstand has really been like, you know, an eye-opening experience where I was like, holy shit, like, I can do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I watch YouTube videos on it all the time. I'll watch a fucking two-hour YouTube video of this guy who, who says nothing. You know, it's literally just footage of, like, him building, and some of it's sped up, some of it's in real time. He says fucking nothing, and I just watch him build a cabin in the woods for two hours. <laughs> like, I spend time watching that, and um, so I pretty much know how to do it, you know? Which, watching, I don't even need blueprints. I can do this. Um, so... <laughs> So that happened. And then, like, also, though, so I have this, like, now deep vendetta against Wyoming because I swear to God, every time I've driven through Montana slash Wyoming, it's been the worst experience of my actual life. So when I drove down from Alaska through Montana, like, the snow that was blowing over the road made it so I couldn't see at all it was dark you know we were driving at night which i don't do anymore but we were driving at night i couldn't see the road i told the people who i was with i said i'm just guessing that the interstate continues straight because i can't see anything and we just kind of like went along with that i have no idea why we did that um it was definitely a bad idea and then when i came back like through wyoming again freaking snow blowing over the road i can't see shit and then also there was like a good buildup of ice on the road so i can do snow i can do slush even though slush can actually sometimes be like really dangerous (laughs) but but the ice was just like on another level and then with the snow blowing it was just such a miserable experience for six fucking hours it was so 
tiring. So and I was already so exhausted from like the trip over there. So when I came back, I went through Missoula. So the first day was Missoula and then to um, Sheridan or, or Buffalo, Wyoming, um, which is like just at the top of Wyoming. So like pretty much right when you cross the border from Montana to Wyoming. So I had to drive through the entire state of Wyoming to get back to Denver on the last day and I was already really tired because I wasn't sleeping well at the hotels and I think like once you start like not sleeping well it's just like a domino effect where you're like a little bit you're like worried you're going to continue to not sleep well and then it causes you to not sleep well and also like I would get back like I would get to the hotel at like 4 or 5 p.m and I would instantly like take a shower get something to eat and then lay in bed and watch YouTube and And I would, like, be falling asleep at 4 or 5 p.m. And totally be able to, like, fall asleep for the night. But I stopped myself because I didn't want to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and completely fuck my entire sleep schedule. And so I forced myself to stay up until, like, you know, at least 8 or 9 and then try to go, like, to sleep for the night. But at that point, like... I don't know what happened. Like, I just couldn't fucking go back to sleep. So it was, um, it was kind of grueling. Yeah, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't like the best, um, road trip on the way back, but also like usually on the way back type of road trips, definitely like the last leg, it's always the most grueling, you know, like you just want to get back. Like you just want to get back home. You don't want to fucking get gas anymore. You don't want to stop to get food. You don't want to do this anymore. I've been doing this for days. I'm done. It's over. I'm, I'm I don't want to do it anymore. So like no matter what, whether it's in the summer, cause I felt this when I was coming back from North Carolina too, where I was like, Oh my God, this again, I have to stop to get gas. Again, I just did that. You know what I mean? It's just like so fucking annoying at that point. And so I was in like a really bad mood. And I just like, I was supposed to start my period, which, you know, it gives me a lot of anxiety for some, and it's not like the, well, maybe it is the anticipation, but it's also just like the shift in hormones or whatever that like, I always get like really depressed, but mostly anxious and uh, I just don't feel good. So all in all, driving back from Wyoming, I was like going to, I was in, I just was not happy. So I made it back and everything's chilling good. Um, and then I, I'll tell you about like the stories of all the other times that I almost died on a road trip because I will say that one time I ran out of, okay, (laughs) we'll get there. Um, So what's interesting that happened is that I was talking to somebody on Tinder and it was going pretty well, which is surprising because I never meet anybody that way. I've always said that if I'm going to meet somebody who's like going to be my boyfriend, I'm going to meet them at jujitsu probably, you know, because it's just so much easier to meet somebody in real life where you don't have that romantic expectation immediately. You know what I mean? When you meet somebody off a dating app, you're immediately going into that um, situation and that date or whatever, like almost looking for reasons not to date them because that's like the expectation. Like, do I like this person? Could they be my next significant other? And so whenever they do something that like you don't like, it's really easy to be like, oh, no, they're not the one. They're not it. You know what I mean? 
And so that tends to happen a lot, I feel like, on dating apps. It happens to me, whereas, like, I do it to other people. But I also noticing, I noticed that people do it to me, where, you know, I just either don't have, like, an interest that they, like, really want me to have, or, you know, I just have, like, a different outlook on life than them in some regard that they just aren't interested in or something. You know what I mean? And I think that, like... It's pretty obvious when, you know, y'all don't agree on a certain thing and it's kind of a deal breaker. Um, But I try to, like, stay pretty open on my deal breakers. I really only have, like, a few. And, I mean, they're pretty basic. Like, I don't want kids, so I don't want to date anybody who also wants kids. I don't think that's fair to either of us. Um, I don't want to date a bootlicker. (laughs) (laughs) which sounds like so mean um but also like it's just not gonna work because I just don't think you should be doing that anyway so that's just like a few of them so a big thing is that like I don't settle for anything less than like good chemistry and I think that like maybe a lot of people put up with like not feeling entirely seen by who they are hanging out with and that goes for like friendships and romantic relationships um like I need to have like a souls on fire type of connection with somebody for me to want them to stay in my life um and with my friends now it's all have been that like and majority of them I've met through Uber where we've just had this really good connection, really good conversation. And at the end of the ride, I was like, we need to hang out sometime, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they agreed and we exchanged numbers and now we're friends. So I like don't settle for anything less than um, me feeling entirely seen. And I've really tried to like form a thought in my head about like what I mean by feeling seen because it's kind of in ambiguous term but I can't really think of like anything else I think it it more just like goes along the lines of like when you know you know uh type of thing it like it's a corny shit when you meet somebody and you're like I feel like I've known you my whole life you know so I like don't put up with anything less and for a while, and I think there's a part of me that still does actually think this, but for a while, I just thought that I was really weird and I just didn't fit in fucking anywhere. And I will say, okay, and I know I lose a lot of people when I talk about this, but the MBTI, <laughs> the Myers-Briggs type indicator, the first fucking thing they say about INFJs, and I'm an INFJ, the first thing they say about this Um, personality type is that this person often feels misunderstood and that they don't fit in when I first found out that I was an INFJ and I read that it changed my entire perspective on who I am and where I fit in and my purpose in this world because before I just thought that I was really weird and like just I just uncomfortable now I realize that there are people out there who see me and who I can connect with. Um, Before, it was really just kind of like, you know, this is never going to work or whatever. But I still, now, it's much easier for me to continue um, to 
refill my hope when it gets low. Um, I will say it's a little low right now, but, <laughs> but that's just because of what's happened lately. So, um, right. I was talking to this guy on Tinder. Everything was going well, which is like what I just ex- described, kind of a shock, um, a little bit uncommon, but you know, we're just going to go with it. So, um, we, you know, continue talking and then we met up like right before I left for Washington. So like literally like two days, I think two or three days before, um, I was supposed to go to Washington. Um, and it was good, you know, it was fine. It wasn't like, yeah, a lot of the times I go on dates with people from dating apps and we just like, I'm not going to say we, okay. They, they sit across from me and they stare at me with nothing to add to the conversation. You know, um, they didn't do anything today and they don't have anything going on for the next week and they don't have any opinions and they, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I'm carrying the entire conversation. So this is like, and the conversation is like pulling teeth. So this is what I'm used to, um, on dating apps with the conversation on the app. And then, you know, sometimes if the conversation is good on the app, we'll meet up and then in real life again it's like pulling teeth and they just for some reason don't have any personality so it was nice that like on this date um that didn't happen (laughs) so that was great um and then pretty much like talked to them the entire time I was in Washington and if you know me that's not normal (laughs) that's not fucking normal I don't do that with anybody. I don't even do that with my friends. Okay. I have a few friends who I talk to regularly, you know, but not daily. Um, it's just like, I, I just don't want to, (laughs) I'm not really like a, a conversation. I'm just not into it. Um, but for some reason, with this other person, the conversation was really easy and often really fun. And just like, you know, kind of a joy to participate in. So it was really nice. Um, so yeah, the entirety of the two weeks I was in Washington, there would be times where I would have concerns because, you know, when you just, you know, first meet somebody, and when you go away, you know, when you go on a trip, there is this huge um, kind of, what am I trying to say? It's a It's a big chance where things can just fizzle out. Um, it's, it's happened a fucking shit ton. And, and not that I even travel that much. I mean, I really only do like once a year type of traveling, but other people travel. And so I've had instances where I've met men who I'm getting along with and who, you know, I'm enjoying my time with them. And then they go on a trip and then they come back and they never text me again. So, (laughs) I mean, that was a concern that would sometimes creep into my mind. And then I would just have to tell myself or remind myself that everything in life. And again, I'm going to lose some people here because this goes into like spirituality and like corny shit. But I really do believe this, that everything in life is happening exactly the way it's supposed to. And I think what has caused me to go to this thinking is the, my withdrawals, um, which is pretty common. You know, when somebody is going through recovery, 
which I technically was, didn't really feel like I was because I wasn't addicted in the mentality sense of the um, drug abuse. It was a physical dependency, which is completely different. A lot of people like to say that it's the same thing. Physical dependency is the same as addiction. It's not. It's not the same fucking thing. And that's not just my opinion. That's like scientifically researched and backed. Okay. It's not the same thing. So I wasn't actually technically clinically struggling with addiction. I was struggling with physical dependency. Anyway, so it's very common with people who go through withdrawals and who, um, kind of have that be like their lowest point in life that it happened for a reason. It's really hard to continue going through life and thinking that that was just a bad thing that happened to you because it's so terrible that you have to attribute something positive to it or else it just fuck it just crushes you it just really messes up your mind and so it was just natural for me to attribute that those withdrawals happened because I needed a major shift in the mentality that I had and the perspective that I had living life. Because before, I was not happy to be alive. A lot of the times, I was miserable being alive. I hated being alive. It was torture. It was pain. It, you know, was suffering, which a lot of people say that, you know, um, existence is suffering and that's common. I, I don't think that, but... That's a common, you know, thing that people think. But the thing is, is that I was never, I never saw, like, the little things that are meant to keep you happy in this life. Because now, since I've been through literally the hardest thing that a lot of people can go through, so benzo withdrawals, and I talked about this in my other episode, but... Benzo withdrawals are a completely different breed of withdrawals, okay? It, they're worse than opioid withdrawals. They're worse than fucking any withdrawal. The only thing that's on par with them is alcohol withdrawals, both of which, and really the only drug um, that you can die from. And so, you know, when you go through something that's that dark and that... um dangerous it really shifts your perspective on life and now I'm really happy to be alive and it's really small mundane things I look at the sun and I'm like wow that's a good sun (laughs) I look at the trees and I'm like wow that's a big fucking tree it's super old probably look it's bigger than that house that is insane and there's probably a bunch of animals living in it you know shit like that I eat like a good sandwich and I'm like oh my god I love that I'm enjoying this sandwich right now. You know what I mean? Just small fucking things that I'm like, uh, I never used to do that before. Before the withdrawals, never used to do that before. So, you know, now I have this like outlook on life (laughs) that's just like almost completely different. And I have no idea what I was talking about before. Okay, so I know what I was talking about. I was saying that... um, I believe that everything in life is going exactly the way it's supposed to. And that's why I was saying with my withdrawals, I had to kind of adopt 
that way of thinking because it's really hard to accept going through withdrawals otherwise. Anyway, so I was having these concerns about, you know, it fizzling, fizzling out while I was in Washington. But I had to keep reminding myself that if it's supposed to continue, if this connection is supposed to continue, then it will through this. And if it's not, then it won't. And that's as simple as it can get. Because the thing is, too, is that me going to Washington for two weeks is nothing like anything else that is a bad thing that you can go through with a partner. Um, you know, I went through withdrawals with a partner and our relationship didn't survive that. I didn't really think that it would survive it before that any anyway. Um, but, you know, there are other worse things that a relationship can survive. And I'm not saying that it's like testing our relationship. I'm just saying that, like, if it's meant to be, it'll be. Um, which, I mean, I'm not going to force anything. Anyway, so this is what happened. So we were talking every day for two weeks, pretty much, uh, pretty much all day. Not like all day in the sense of like messaging like back and forth, like instantly, you know what I mean? Because I was also hanging out with my family, playing games, you know, spending time with them. I wasn't just on my phone, but the conversation pretty much started, you know, in the morning. And then we would talk more at night because I was like at my hotel and I was like actually just like, you know, not with family and I was just, you know, watching YouTube. So, um, Everything, everything was fine. You know how, like, sometimes you're, um, you text people and it's, like, a message-for-message thing where, like, you feel uncomfortable, like, double-texting them? You know what I mean? Like, you feel kind of, like, insecure about that? Um, this wasn't, like, that, that's not what was happening, actually. So, he felt comfortable double-texting me. I felt comfortable double-texting him. It wasn't really like that, um, which was really nice because if... And I think that everyone's experienced the dating, texting game that comes with dating and texting. <laughs> it's just like, you can't reply instantly because you don't want to come across that you're like waiting for them to text you and that you have no life. You want to, you want to appear a little bit busy, a little bit, you know, like you have other things going on. You know what I mean? Like the game that comes with that. So the thing is, is that like, I, well, now I have to say that I wasn't doing that on purpose. So there would be times where I, w I wouldn't reply immediately, but it was literally because I was making a nightstand. I didn't have my phone out or I was riding a snow machine with my uncle and I didn't have my phone out. You know what I mean? So, but that was fine. It's not like I was ignoring anyone or anything like that. So like everything was chill and everything was fine. Um, you know, like, he would text me more than I would text him. But again, it wasn't like I wasn't interested or that I had better things going on. I just had other things going on. You know what I mean? And it would have been different if I was in Denver um, living my normal, simple life or whatever. So I was, like I said, caught up in doing other things. But it was fine. Double text me. I I don't think less of you. I'm 31 years old and everything is not that deep. So, um, everything was fine with that. And then, um, I was leaving actually, uh, it was the first day I was driving back. So it was from Washington to Missoula. 
and he just didn't text me at all, <laughs> which is like, at first, I really thought about like just leaving it alone and um, letting it ride, see what happens, whatever. And then I was like, or I could bring it up. <laughs> but that's like what everyone, I think that's what everyone considers, where it's just like, oh, you know, do I just let it be or do I say something? <laughs> and so it's like, it's such a, and see, that's like what's fucking stressful about dating is that you have, you come to these put in these situations where you have to make decisions like that. And it should not, I don't think it should be like that. I know that some people uh, like that or something. I don't like that. Um, And I don't want a connection um, to impede or have an impact on my mental health. And that's like kind of what was happening because I was trying really hard not to overthink, but... um, it's common. Everyone, I think everyone does it. Um, so I decided to say something. Of course. How did you know? Oh my God, you guys know me so well. Of course I would say something. <laughs> but I wanted to be really non-reactive and uh, really open. So I just blank, like, bl- like blankly, simply said, why haven't you texted me? <laughs> that's it and he goes oh you know I was like watching YouTube and like you know that's it you know I was I've just been watching YouTube all day um which I think is kind of a bad excuse because for fuck's sake I have watched you do not want to see my screen time my watch time on YouTube it's abysmal like it's 40 hours a week it's a job (laughs) um so yeah I I'm I've been there you know watching a lot of YouTube but also you know what they say if they wanted to they would you know YouTube isn't stopping anybody from having a text conversation and um I didn't really say I didn't like be accusatory toward that like I am right now talking about it but um yeah, it was just, you know, like, whatever. And then, But then he also mentioned that, like, you're driving, um, so, like, why would I text you or whatever? But the thing is, is that when I was driving out there, the entirety of the time, he was texting me. Like, double text me, triple texting me, but I couldn't... And I did sometimes reply when I was on the road if it was, like, you know, a short message and I was on, like, a really straight part of the road or when I stopped for gas or something like that. I would just, I would just reply when I'm able to. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, he said that, that you're like, oh, you're driving. And, and I did like kind of, um, you know, I, I, what, what am I trying to say? I addressed that part of it where it was like, but you texted me like all the way where I'm like, when I first came out here, you didn't care about my safety then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, nothing too crazy. I really didn't want this to fucking blow up or anything. And it kind of, I don't think it did. Maybe it did. I don't know. Um... But, and so we just started talking somewhat normally. But here's the thing. Here's what bothered me, is that it wasn't fucking normal again. Like, it was forced, and it was strained, and it was, like, pulling teeth again with, like, these other people when it's, like, this connection and the conversations that I would have with this person was never like that before. And so, again, being who I am, said something, and I said, um... Okay, now you're just talking to me because I said something. Like, I can tell. And then and I sent that message, and then I said, just be honest. Um, 
and it kind of, oh God. So I'm like embarrassed to say this. Um, so <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Um, no, but he was pretty much like, you know, um, well, I kind of wanted to see if you would text me first. <sighs> And he said, you know, well, I sent you the last message last night. And so technically, um, the ball has been in your court this entire day. And I didn't say this, but I woke up that morning at like 730 and like immediately got on the road, you know, checked out of my hotel, packed, checked out, got gas and just started driving because, you know, like the first day I'm like ready to fucking go. Like I'm out of there. Um, it wasn't texting anybody. Well, I did. I texted my mom. I screenshotted the map of the route I was taking. So if I disappeared, she would have something to give the search and rescue people. That's all I fucking said. I even had other part, like other family members text me who I didn't reply to, um, because I was driving and I was busy and like, I didn't text you and like, you know, I, I did reply to those people later on. Like I said, when I was getting gas or when, like whenever I was able to or whatever. But here's what I don't fucking like. And I think that a lot of people can agree with this is they don't like being tested. I am, again, 31 years old and I don't want to be tested on anything. Another thing that happened is that we had conversations about, I guess, how much we liked each other and how much we liked talking to each other and how much we liked our connection and everything like that and how... um uncommon it was for both of us to feel this comfortable and having you know these conversations and being you know having such a pleasant time you know with these conversations we talked about that we talked about that in plain English and so for you to say that like oh well I just wanted to stop texting you just to see if you text me back you know how I feel I told you so that's not fair that's not fair that's childish and I don't want to participate in that. I won't participate in that. I mean, I guess I did a little bit because when he said that, that's what I said. I, you know, I, I pretty much said not everything that I've said in this podcast so far, but I, I did say, um, you know, that our message, our communication style has never been message for message. We double text each other all the time. And, you know, it's always been easy. I don't know why I would like need to prove anything. And then, he goes, oh, you care. And he was like, you know, oh, you like me. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Let's go get pizza when you get back. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, so you wanted to see if I pitched a fit, um, you know, over you not texting me, that that means that I care. And that if I didn't pitch a fit, I wouldn't care. That's what you wanted to see. And he goes, yes, precisely. And it was, I was, and I still am. I'm, I, that, that's disappointing. That is so disappointing when you are as open and honest and as upfront and blunt and straightforward and all of those words that I am to everyone in my life, I don't, I am brave enough to tell the truth. 
even if it's uncomfortable, even if it makes me look bad, even if I think that it will hurt the other person's feeling, I feel like I'm doing them a favor by not sugarcoating it or beating around the bush. I want to be straightforward and get everything out on the table. And that's what I did. And so to be tested like that was just so disappointing. And it did cross my mind that maybe I should break up with this person. And I say break up, we weren't in a relationship. But I think that when you go on a date with somebody, you meet somebody, you know, this isn't just something, somebody you've been talking to online and you haven't met yet. But when I, and when you, um, you know, express your feelings to them and, you know, how much you and you're enjoying this connection um, on a daily basis, if you don't want to talk to them anymore, you don't want to see them anymore, you, um, you want to break up with them, I think that that's the proper term. And I think that you should break up with them if, if that's how you feel. I don't, I don't think that you should just stop talking to them foreshadowing Uh, (laughs) but I did have the thought of maybe I should break up with this person because this is a red flag and I don't use that word lightly because majority of the time when people say red flag it literally just means that they're not suited for you and that you guys are better suited for other people which isn't a red flag it just means that you're not a match and that's fine statistically that's probably what's gonna happen You know, statistically, when you meet somebody, you're probably not a match. And I think that that's just something everybody has to accept. Because when you go on a date, say you go on 20 dates, I'm only going to connect with maybe one of those people. 20, maybe one. I I mean, that's bad. And I think that, you know, like I said in the earlier part of this episode, I think that some people put up with not having a deep, genuine connection and feeling entirely seen. And so for those people, they go on 20 dates. It's not going to be one person. It's going to be multiple. It's going to be maybe five people. It's going to be maybe more than that because their threshold for connection is a lot lower. And I'm not saying that I'm better because I have a, I want to be closer and have closer people in my life. That's just what I prefer. So it's just... <laughs> When I say that that was a red flag, that's what I mean. It wasn't, you know, that they wanted kids and I didn't. That's not a red flag. You know what I mean? But this is because there is no relationship. He's not going to meet anybody else who does that too. And so, oh, they're a match because they both do that. Sure. Is it going to be a healthy relationship? I don't think so. Sure, they can put up with whatever they want to put up with. But in terms of, you know, objectively looking at their relationship and, you know, how they treat each other and how they treat their communication and um, just the them being together, um, for two people who do that, or at least one person who does that and the other person who puts up with it, is not healthy. So that's what I mean about it being a red flag, is that that's something that's almost innate and something that's not 
going to change overnight. Um, and that's not something that, you know, is just a, a mismatch of people. That's just being a bad boyfriend. If you were to be anyone else's boyfriend and do that or to date anybody else and do that, that is not boyfriend material. That is unhealthy behavior that that person needs to address. At least that's my opinion of it. So that was in the back of my head. But then, of course, um, I think like what we all do is we try to rationalize it and be like, okay, well, when I live in the, when I get back to the city and, you know, we're both in the same city, you know, we're not gonna be texting all the time anyway. And like, maybe it'll change. It'll be different then. Um, God, wow. I sound dumb. (laughs) I sound not smart. Um, I mean, I don't know. I was, and, and driving, you know, I had a lot of time to think. But I told him that, you know, I said, I don't like to be tested and I don't appreciate that. And I'm not going to put up with that. And so it was kind of like, you know, it's not like I was um, like ending it right then and there or anything like that. I was just telling him that this is not going to fly in the long term, um, which probably doesn't feel good. I have thought about this in retrospect of how that would feel if somebody said those things to me. It's not like I was mean or anything like that. And I try to keep it really the I statements. You know what I mean? I don't want this. I am not looking for this. I, you know, whatever I am looking for. It's not like I'm scolding you. I didn't try and, I mean, I hope I didn't come across as like, you can't do this. You are unhealthy for doing this. You know what I mean? It was mostly just like, I don't have an interest in this. So, again, like I said, try to like, you know, make it so maybe this wasn't as big of a deal as I was thinking it as big of a deal as I really felt it was in my gut, honestly. Um, and then, yeah, was thinking about um, how I would feel if I if people somebody said this to me, because it is a form of rejection. Um, and I think that a lot of people don't feel this or, or don't think about this in their, their everyday lives, especially when they're in a connection with somebody in a partnership, in a relationship, is that anything small like that is a form of rejection. So your partner is cooking and you want to put your arm around them and give them a kiss and they shrug you off because they're busy and they're cooking. That is a form of rejection, even though it makes total sense. You know, it can still hurt their feelings. You just need to be with somebody who's secure enough to understand that it's it's not about that they don't want you to hug and kiss them ever again. It's just that they're busy cooking and like, get off me. You know what I mean? And they would have done it to anybody. It's not like they personally, you know, are saying fuck you uh, to you at that moment or anything like that. So that's like what it comes down to, I think, when dating the right person, not even the right person, because that's what I talked to you about before with the mismatch of people and everything like that. No, the flags and the healthiness about being a good partner is to be secure enough to know that Sometimes it's not about you. Um, a lot of the times, actually, it's not about you. It's about that person and that person's boundaries. And they would have done or they would have said it to anybody. So 
that's where I was coming from. And when I thought to myself of what if somebody did this to me, because I always like to think about that because I think that that's a healthy thing to do, um, is that I would never do that. <laughs> you know, I would never test somebody. I'm not 23 years old or anything like that anymore. I don't feel like that is a good indicator of somebody's interest in you. And I've literally told this to my friends before because sometimes they get a little bit upset when I'm not texting them or replying or, or being, you know, completely available is that my replies or my um, attention is no indicator of my interest. So... You know, I can stop talking to you for an entire day, whatever. And it's mostly because I'm having a hard time in my own life. It's not because I'm mad at you or anything like that. But regardless, either way, whether it is because I am mad at you, I'm, I'm not going to stonewall you, so I'm not going to stop talking to you because I'm mad at you. But if I'm having a bad day and I don't want to talk, I'll tell you. So this is where things get um, miscommunicated is that... That's what happened is that when I was in Wyoming, driving through Wyoming, I woke up in um, Sheridan in Buffalo or whatever, having to do that six hour drive through Wyoming with bad weather while I was like sleep deprived and just wanted to go home and I hadn't washed my hair in like multiple days. And I was also like just a bum in my car and I had a headache and my period was supposed to go. I was just not in a good fucking mood. I was not in a good mood in any regard not in the mood to talk to anybody not in the mood to do anything okay so this is what happened we had that conversation about him see that that's the thing that's this is where the problem arises well it had arose before but so the problem being that you shouldn't be testing anybody to prove that they like you because they get upset when you don't text them or whatever the thing is you can go you can stop texting me but I would appreciate a heads up. <laughs> so this is what happened is that when I was in Wyoming, I woke up in a bed, but didn't want to talk to anybody. So I texted him and said that, that I'm in a terrible mood and I don't want to talk to anybody today. And I, I just hope your day is better than mine. And he replied, he said, that's me every day. And I didn't reply. But then, you know, three minutes later, he texted me about something else, talking about um, something else. And then I said, I just told you I wanted to be left alone. <laughs> um, and then he stopped texting me, which is, you know, what I wanted. But the thing was, is that I wanted him to know I wasn't disappearing to test him. I wasn't disappearing because of anything he did or anything like that. So that's why I wanted to give the heads up that like I'm going into my little shell and I'm being a little hermit now for today because that's what I need for my mental health and that's what I need to take care of myself. And, you know, it's not about you. I'm just in a bad mood. And and here's the heads up, you know. And see, that's the difference between me disappearing for a day and him disappearing for a day with no heads up after we had talked every day for two weeks. Um, 
but th- but that never got communicated. You know, I thought that it was obvious, which is my mistake, I guess, that, you know, that it wasn't. Um, because I um, got home and I took a shower. I took a nap. I ate something, you know, and started feeling better. And so I texted him and, and told him that, that I'm feeling better now. I took care of myself. And like, when are we getting pizza? And he never replied. He never replied ever. It's been, I don't know, a week. It doesn't matter how long it's been because he's never going to. <laughs> like, duh. Um, and so here's what I think happened is that I think that he thought to himself, well, why do you get to just, like, disappear for a day and not text back? But um, when I do it, it's a problem. And here's my answer. It's because I told you and you didn't. I communicated and you didn't. I It was for my mental health and my well-being and yours was to test our connection. Two completely different, um... Like, what am I trying to say when somebody is like, <laughs> their intention, two totally different intentions, two totally different, like, outcomes, and, and that's, that's it. So, so I think that he thought that, in a, I mean, this is all speculation, because how am I supposed to know? Because, because that's the thing, just like I said before, where if you're in a connection, you know, even if you're not boyfriend and girlfriend or anything like that if you have expressed feelings for one another and you have, you know, these great conversations and you talk very often and everything like that, I think that you should, when you don't want to talk to them anymore, if you want to move on, if, you know, you're calling it a day on this, that you should break up with them and you should say something. Um, so now this is all speculation about how he felt because I, I, we haven't, yeah, he, go. I hate the term, I guess I, it was ghosting. So, yeah. Um, and I think what happened in terms of you know him thinking well why can you do this and I can't um also comes with him thinking immaturely and I'm gonna I don't want to paint that because I don't we don't know each other that well or anything but you know not texting somebody and and testing them is immature and so I can only you know, say that maybe that it was also an immature move to say that, okay, well, you want me to leave you alone. Oh, I'll leave you alone. I'll leave you alone for the rest of your life. You'll never hear from me again. You know what I mean? Because I think that somebody who's immature and also insecure um, thinks that way. And I say insecure because, like I said earlier in this episode, is that a lot of the times when people make decisions... Uh, it's like not about you. <laughs> like I said, um, if I was talking to anybody, you know, parents, friends, um, potential romantic interest of any regard, I wouldn't want to talk to them. And I would have said the same thing. It wasn't personal. It wasn't, you know, specific to that person or anything like that. And it wasn't about them. It was about me. And, you know, I needed it to feel better, but I also didn't want to subject anybody to my bitchiness because I was in a really bad mood and I think that anybody who was texting me and if I felt obligated to reply would have been bitchy fucking replies (laughs) and I one 
I don't think anyone deserves that. No one deserves my bitchiness. But I also don't want to be a bitch. I don't want to do that. I want to be in my car by myself without feeling the obligation to reply. And I think that that's something that um, our phones have fucked up and something that like, you know, people need to communicate better where if they're having a day, you know, um, being an introvert, being hermited to, you know, if you don't know that person really well, because now my friends who do know me really well, I don't have to send that text message saying I'm having a bad day. I don't want to talk to me. I don't have to do that because they know me because they know that it's not about them and that I'll get back to them when I feel better or when I feel in my right mind or, you know, anything like that. They know that it's not about them. They know that that's just how I am. So this person who I'd been talking to for two weeks, two and a half weeks, something like that, doesn't know that. And I do have to tell them that this is just how I operate in my life. This is how I choose to live my life because I know that there are some people who will text you back when they don't feel like it and maybe they'll be mean, you know, um, and that's how they choose to live their life. Do I think that they're succumbing to societal pressure? Yes, because I think that society has pressured us into always being available, even when you're not mentally available and having that energy. Another thing that he said is that, you know, sometimes I'm just heavily introverted and I just want to keep to myself and I just want to be quiet and shy. And that's totally fine. I said that. And I said, that's fine. That's all you had to say. You know, that's all you had to say. I don't know you. Um, And so that was another red flag is that I got multiple answers to, you know, why he chose to not text me for the day. You know, the first one being YouTube. The second one being that, you know, he wanted to text me, see if he texted me first. The next one being that I was driving. And then the fourth one being that he was shy. So I have no idea which one was actually accurate. And maybe it was a conglomeration of all of them, probably. But the communication was so not there that I am confused (laughs) and I I told him that where like I try to match effort but sometimes people make it confusing and right now I'm confused and so I've been the most open and honest that I could ever possibly be because that's what I want from somebody else and that's what I deserve from somebody that's what everyone deserves and if somebody's not in the mental headspace or having um healthy enough to exhibit that and to provide that that's not something I'm willing to settle on so you know in the end even though I was like on the fence about whether or not I wanted to continue this connection um you know it was ultimately like you know the the nail was put in the coffin by him but um I I think also is that I didn't, like, rip him a new asshole. Maybe some people would think that. Maybe some people are sensitive. Maybe he felt that way. I don't know. But I was as blunt and as straightforward and honest as I am usually. And if he felt insecure about me saying that I don't put up with that and that maybe he felt like what was actually happening was that I was rethinking this entire thing now, is that maybe he wanted to reject me before I was able to reject him. That happens a lot on these dating apps, which is fine. 
go ahead. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I can't stop you. I can't stop anybody from doing anything. And if, if they want to be immature and childish and do that, then that's within their right. And it's somebody who I don't want to date anyway. So that's what happened. Um, kind of sucks, honestly. Not even going to lie. It sucks because... Like I said, I don't meet a lot of people who I connect with and who I feel seen with. And so to have it end, um, personally, I believe that it didn't work out because we're at two different stages of repairing some of the trauma we went through. Because I've done that before. You know, I have been that person before and I've realized that it's like not a good way to be in relationships and it's not the person I want to be. It's not like the partner I want to be and everything like that. And you, I just need somebody who has realized that as well. It's not anything on this other person or anything. We're all on our own path type of shit. And so um, that that's just the way it is. Um, and I do remind myself that even if it wasn't for this trip or even if I didn't send the text message, you know, saying that I was in a bad mood and didn't want to talk to anybody, even if I did maybe, um, you know, go through with it and, you know, send these text messages that I didn't want to send and like, you know, just decided not to do that, um, this situation would have come up anyway. Later on in uh, the connection that it just, it would have been outed um along the line anyway and I think that I need to um appreciate the fact that it came out sooner because I think that you know sometimes people get into a connection and you know it's always like their best foot forward and it's never really truly and that's natural but um then these problems come out later and it's when you're more connected and um you don't want to end it over some little spat you had, you know, through text message. And that sounds ridiculous and everything, but it's an indicative of a bigger issue. This person will do this again in a bigger way. So I am trying to, you know, appreciate that it came out in, in a much more smaller regard because I have been realizing that the people who I date um, while sometimes I can be not a good partner, um, there have definitely been times where I look back on the people who I dated and realize that maybe they just didn't like me as much as I thought they did or as much as I felt like they needed to in the partnership and care about me um, in as much as they needed to to be a good partner. Because that's a, another thing with the ending of this connection is that I do feel hurt. <laughs> it seems ridiculous. I, I, I don't want to be that person. You know, when you like meet up with a friend and they like just broke up with a boyfriend, but like they'd only been together for like two or three months and you're like, okay, okay, Lisa, please just chill. It's not that like, just chill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, where you can look at me and you can be like, wow, Shannon, it was two fucking weeks. You know what I mean? But like, like I said, I don't really connect with anybody <laughs> and more of what I feel is disappointment because it's one, 
hard to find somebody who you connect with and who you feel seen with. It's another obstacle, a completely different challenge to find a good man who is healthy enough, secure enough, honest enough, knows their feelings enough, uh, communicates enough. It's a it's a whole different side of finding a good partner is that one, you have the connection and the chemistry that you do, but also like, are they ready for a partnership? So that's where a huge part of my disappointment comes from. And another thing, we're going to go back to the MBTI. I know some people hate it, but I'm going to talk about it. So INFP, no, INT, INTP, INTP. Okay. So my ex, my most recent ex, the one from California was an INTP. This man, I believe, was an INTP as well. Maybe he was an INFP. I think he was an INTP, though. Because I remember thinking, hmm, that's the same as my ex. Um, and I googled it again, you know, just to refresh my memory on their strength and we- strengths and weaknesses. So the issue is that this type, this personality type. And like I said, I'm saying that I'm not going to clump everybody together where it's like, oh, you're you're this type, so that means you do this. I, I'm not trying to say that, okay? I'm trying to be reasonable here and not say that because I think that's fucked up. Anyway, though, so one of their major weaknesses is the fact that they're not able to understand what they're feeling. And since they're not able to understand what they're feeling, they can't communicate that to you. So that's why it becomes such a big issue when things go untalked about and you're kind of left in the, in the dark about certain things because they're like kind of also left in the dark about their feelings. So that actually was one of the big things that it, it caused the biggest rift in my in my last relationship was the fact that like he just didn't know how he felt um, and therefore couldn't communicate it with me. And so we just had this big gaping hole in our relationship that my needs weren't getting met and he felt powerless because he didn't know what to do in terms of communicating with me because he didn't even know what to communicate. And so that was a big issue. And so when this person told me that they were this personality type, I said, oh, fuck. (laughs) Because of that issue. And I'm not saying that I wasn't going to date this person because of their personality type and they had that technically had that weakness or so it said in their personality description that they had this weakness. Okay. I wasn't going to assume this. However, with what happened, you look back and you say, and you think, and you logically look at things and say, that's kind of what happened. Um, that's what that was. I mean, am I wrong? Like, giving me four or five different excuses for something that happened when it could have just easily been, you know, taken care of with literally one text message. I'm a pretty easygoing person. And I say that and I think maybe some don't agree with that. However, my therapist called me easygoing. So therefore, it's a clinical diagnosis. I am easygoing. (laughs) 
but no, I mean that like literally you can tell me things and I won't fucking freak out. The thing is, is that when you don't tell me, right? And I didn't even freak out. I, like I said, I would try to be pretty reasonable about it and really just forthcoming and honest because that's what I wanted in return. Did I get that? No. But it wasn't because of me, you know, he would have done that to anybody. It's not like, you know, specific to me. And, and it's not like I could have been more honest and maybe that would have sparked an interest in him to be more honest. It, it wasn't like that. Um, it, it just who we are as different people. So I think I'm taking a break again. <laughs> and, you know, people do ask me, my friends do ask me, how, why have you been single for going on three years? And it's like, I just don't want to settle. Like, I just have, like, this ideal man in my mind. And I just don't want to settle for anything less. And I, there's a lot of things I don't want to put up with. You know, like we just talked about is that, you know, I think that the connection should be easy and fun and um, I just don't want any drama. And so, like I said before, that's it's just really hard to find a good connection that is easy and carefree and, you know, doesn't have any drama. So that's that. Um, we're kind of running out of time. I don't want to make this too long. And then I, so next time I'll talk about all the ways that I've, I've almost died while on road trips because the stories my mom oh god I haven't told my mom <laughs> these stories because I know it would just like make her like she taught me better I don't know why I've done some of the things that I've done I I, I think I'm just I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm hopeful that's why I do some of these things that I do but we'll talk about that next time <laughs>